Welcome everybody to the OG podcast. I'm here with Ramin Mojgani. Hey, how are we doing guys? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Hey, and uh, Ramin is a local comic here in Austin, Texas, and you have a lot of creative pursuits. Yeah, um, indeed I do. So uh, yeah, what is going on in your world? Yeah, what's, what do I do? A lot of things. Um, so I have my 200 hour YTT. My what's YTT? Uh, yoga teacher training license. Oh, cool. So I'm also a yoga instructor. I studied mindfulness in college, meditation. I like to work out. I like to snowboard, be active outdoors, paddleboarding, mountain biking, anything outdoors related is awesome. Hiking. I also do have some rap, like six songs out on Spotify, just like a fun hobby of mine. Nothing to take oh, too seriously. Oh, can we find you on Spotify? Yeah, you can. On okay. my um, on my Instagram, if you look up Ramin the MC, R-A-M-I-N, the MC, all lowercase, You'll see my link tree, my bio, you just click on that, it has my Twitter, big in an NFT game really too. You'll see my Spotify link and then my YouTube and my TikTok and my Instagram. So this is why I was excited to talk to you. We were hanging out at Creek and yeah. I was like, this guy has so many interests. Yeah. And a lot of uh, our interests overlap in like comedy and content creation, health yep. and fitness, wellness, all yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm a firm believer in just kind of like, to me, like living life is just like having a culmination of experiences and every experience you kind of push yourself outside the box like you grow a bit as an individual so like don't be afraid to try new things don't be afraid to look stupid don't be afraid to look dumb like there's always lessons to be learned and experiences to be had that can make you grow and be a better person so that's like my philosophy so what brought you to austin and how long have you been here what brought me to austin um originally i'm working at a corporation in which i'm kind of kind of keep on the low just to you know protect myself um so yeah i got a job here in tech sales and really it was like between Burlington, Massachusetts, Denver, Colorado, and Austin, Texas. And I lived in Denver. I grew up and was born and raised in Massachusetts. And I was like, I want something different. Everyone has fun things to say about Austin. Like, let's just ship it. So I Oh, how long were you in Denver? I used to, I lived in Colorado Springs for two years. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. The Manitou Incline. You ever do that nope, hike? Nope. Yeah, that's a good hike. Uh, that is an intense incline. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And you got Pikes Peak and yep. uh, a couple other. A couple other awesome yeah. hikes out there. Yeah. Garden of the Gods. Garden of the Gods. Yeah, that's of. fun. That was like one of the first places I went when I was in Colorado when I first got there. I drove from Massachusetts to Colorado during the pandemic, probably like fall of 2020 because I was like, I was sick of being indoors. I was like, I want to go outside, enjoy snowboarding, like live life out in the wilderness and nature. So I lived in Aurora for about six months and that's like Southeast Denver, like 12, 13 minutes, like South of Denver. So that was cool. I moved back for my friend's startup and then now like startup life is confusing and taxing and it was like just wasn't working out you, you joined a startup i Are did you, you're in, you're in tech though right so i have my background in bachelor of science and psychology but i'm a firm believer if you give me something to learn like a job or a task and just let me play with it and have fun and explain it to me i can do whatever you need me to do right so like i'm versatile in that aspect i've had many many jobs before this job in tech sales i was the head of customer success and with the startup life, I guess I was kind of unprepared for the amount of work he wanted me to do for the amount I was getting paid. It was my friend. It was a dicey situation. That's the startup struggle. It was it's a startup struggle. And I was like, you know what? Life. I should do my thing. You should do your thing. Like, no ill will. Like, we're still best of friends. He's a good guy. Um, so, yeah. Then I was like Ubering for six months or no, like four to six months after I left that job. Kind of still like in the ropes, like figuring out what I wanted to do. Like, I don't really know. I was kind of like in a rut. I left this startup job that I left Colorado for to go back to Massachusetts. So life was kind of just like, you know, 
bring me down a little bit. I was like, what do I do next? Um, and you know, I just kept trying, kept pursuing just like opportunity I was given to. I asked friends for jobs. Luckily this friend reached out, referred me, like helped me through the interview process, helped me get this job. And then now that I've been here in the job, in the role doing comedy, like comedy's going great and the job's going good too. Like I'm performing. Well, so one of the questions I wanted to ask you yeah. is how do you balance all these things? Because you listed like 12 interests there. Yeah. So like, how do you stack rank? Like what's your top priority? Like in a given day, if you have 18 hours, how do you decide? It can be hard. To spend it can be, on? it can be very, very hard. And I've definitely played it. Like this took years to kind of figure out and iron out. So like there's two ways for like time management Two like primary ways. It's like time oriented or task oriented. Right. So you can wake up in the morning. Typically when I wake up in the morning, I meditate, kind of clear my mind for like five to 10 minutes, nothing crazy. Um, and then I write down like everything on my mind that I want to get done. Right. Oh, so it's like, great so idea. it's like comedy. Like I want to do this morning. set Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's like in the morning, but also before you go to bed at night. So it's like you have kind of when you I, go to I sleep, do that a little bit, but yeah, you kind of know what you're doing the next day. When you right. wake up in the morning, you kind of prioritize, Hey, this is what I want to do for comedy. I need to hit this set. I need to record it for work. I need to get this, this, and this done for my nutrition. I need to go to the grocery store, buy these grocery. Like I write out like every little thing that kind of needs to be done for like myself, but also like for the obligations and responsibilities I carry. And then it's a lot easier to like go through the list and check off things one by one and be methodical and be tactful, tactful, big yeah. word there. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I'm trying to say, but it's just a lot easier when I write it. Like you have all these thoughts in your head with things you want to do and stuff you can get done and like who you want to be and like what you need to do to get those things done and be who you want to be. But it's like, it can be so overwhelming at times. Like, let's just break it down. Like let's materialize all these thoughts I have in my head onto a piece of paper, like put it in the world. Yeah. almost right yeah. yeah right like get it out of your head put it on paper yep. and like kind of you already actualize it a little bit just by getting it on exactly pen to paper exactly exactly that's so, like the first step to manifesting so on and so forth yeah. yeah do you do you do you uh kind of like have any practices of like visualization or um like you just to use the word manifesting like what does that mean yeah so like just like when i think of manifesting i think just like taking a thought or an idea and putting into fruition right whether it's like i want to run five miles right, right. like i want to you have a task you have a goal like i want to get this done i want to have a comedy show right yeah. like what are the elements of the comedy show that need to be done like you need to promote the show you need to have the sound all there you need to have the comedians you need to have the games you need to have the prizes so it's just kind of like breaking every little thing down to its smallest components and then from there, just taking the steps in order to complete the things one by one to ultimately get done what you need so, to do. So you have all these interests and you wake up aside from your like core responsibilities of job or work or whatever. Yeah. What's your top priority? Is it comedy? It seems I like do, you. I really, really do like comedy because it's like, yeah, because yeah, like before it's like, oh, I do music. I do like yep. other things and that stuff. Yoga, the, meditation, yoga, meditation. Fitness. I taught yoga classes. You know, people do like. I get feedback from what I do, right? So like the yoga stuff, I just do with friends and family and I get really good feedback from them, but it wasn't something I felt like it was like my passion or I can see myself doing like for the rest of my life and really delving into. Like I love yoga. I love the sensations, the experience of just like being in tune with my own body. So it's more like a personal thing than something I feel like I am effective at sharing with everybody else, you know? The, the rap music thing too, like I got a few positive responses, but nothing crazy. I enjoy doing it, but it's not something that's like, oh, like I want to be a rapper, like... When I think about like what I want to do, it's tough because it's like I think I have a skill set where it's like I love communicating with people. I got my bachelor of science in psychology. I was in the mental health field, just like helping people, bringing them up, giving them like positive experiences to help like brighten their day, week, month, life, you know, cool. connecting with people. I really enjoy doing 
And I think I started doing comedy and I posted like one set on Instagram and people were like, yo, you're hilarious. Like everyone from back home was hitting me up and like, that was a really good set. Like I enjoyed seeing your stuff. Like I just got like a lot of, lot of positive that, responses. So motivating when people like respond to your, very, very uh, motivating. Stuff. So yeah. that kind of just like hit me hard being like, this is something I have like serious potential in doing. And then from there, it was like, I knew the owners of this hookah lounge. They asked me to do a show. I was like, fuck it. I could do a show. So it's just like, oh, you got asked to do a show. I was going to ask you yeah, a yeah, little, yeah, little bit later. Like, how do you actually put on a show? Yeah, but we they kind of found you. So it was like I posted that one. So yeah, I started doing. So I moved in January to Austin. I started doing stand up in March. Like finally got the courage. I was like, you know what? I'll try this. Your first open mic was where? That was at like Wonderlust with like okay two people were the there. The wine bar. Yeah, the wine yeah. bar. Yeah, in East Austin. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I've Shout out to there Wonderlust once or twice. I think. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool venue. Yeah, so. At first it was rocky because I was, yeah, I was going to open mics and usually there there's like, it's tough to find a good audience. So it's tough yeah. to get like positive, like reassurance of like your craft, your work, your art, so on and so forth. It's, it's tough to find non-comics. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's fine to perform in front of comics, but it's, they're there to do their job. Exactly. They're not paying attention to what you're saying. They're focused on what they want to say. Right, right. Right. Or they're just like nervous or in their heads. Like they're not yeah. like trying to enjoy the material exactly you know? yeah like, sitting in the back of the audience yeah. like not paying attention right. so like those are tough crowds um so i finally like a, i told a bunch of friends i was starting to do stand-up and like oh we'd love to see a show so it was at this place shout out to nick Corey, snail haven snail haven snail haven what up <laughs> um so he has a show in his backyard and i told a bunch of friends like oh and be doing a set here at this time like, would you please come through and i had like 20 friends honestly come and support and that was such a good good feeling and it was like they were laughing but also like the 20 to 30 other people that were there were also laughing too that's a big crowd there's a big crowd like 40 people in a backyard that's good and they were all like dying laughing you know what i mean my friends are the type of people who be like if it wasn't funny they wouldn't laugh but like i had a really good set and it just like everyone's like yo you did great and then i posted that set online and then the owners of this hookah lounge who i'm friends with saw that set and were like yo we want to get in the comedy scene like you're funny can you oh, help organize a show? See, that's what happens when you, that is manifesting. That's yeah. manifesting. So you have an idea, you write it down, you go and make it happen. You invite the people, you post it online. And then that creates this opportunity. Exactly. And it, that opportunity was probably there the whole time. If you just didn't ever post it online, it Ex- never would have happened. Exactly. 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 And that's something that's so important is like, kind of like following this momentum yeah. of like stuff, like opportunities you get from just doing like what you've been doing and what you love to do. Like, I didn't think moving to Austin in January that I was going to have my own, like, comedy parody game show. Yeah. But it's just, like, it just happened that way because I was doing what I wanted to do, found it a love for it, found a passion for it, and just, like, kept running with it. And then, like, these doors just started so, opening. So this is your monthly show at the Hookah Bar? Yes, at Aura Hookah and Cafe. Aura Hookah and Cafe. Yeah, it's, like, West Austin, west of downtown. And then what's the game show? So it's called the Knee Slapper Comedy Carnival, and it's a parody game show where we basically have com- like six comics on. They do their sets, um, and then like in between sets, I like run like live games in front of the audience, and audience members put their names in a bucket. And we call them up on stage, and they play the games, and they can like win prizes. So it's like a fun oh, way cool. to engage the crowd. It's a fun way to engage the comedians with the crowd, and it like adds another element to comedy that like I felt like was just something unique, different and like entertaining you know what yeah, i mean like yeah. when you think about having your own show like you want the experience 
to be like as fun as possible like what are you seeing what are you hearing what are you tasting what are you feeling yes. you know what i mean so it's just about like building the experience up and like when you go to a lot of comedy shows i don't know if you realize this but, like a lot of open mics are like very stale like people are just like reading off their notebook like nobody's mm-hmm. really engaged like mm-hmm. there's nothing really special going on with the show mm-hmm. like it's dull and stale and i was like i just want to take like you know what i mean i don't want to be dull and stale i want to be exciting right. I wanna be you want to add more elements into it yeah exactly so that's have you the- have you ever read uh i think it was born standing up by steve martin it's like an autobiography i have not do you know who he is he's like an steve older- martin yeah i, I mean I steve martin. Yeah, yeah okay yeah have you ever seen my blue haven uh maybe it sounds familiar i think but it, is I that his stand-up or is no it no it's a movie because yeah. steve martin was in cheaper by the dozen right am i thinking of the same yeah, guy? Tom, yeah, yeah 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 he was a dad with white hair and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so my blue haven he plays like an Ana- italian mobster who gets relocated because he's on parole i believe or government watch and he his character is just amazing well one mm-hmm. of the things he talks about in that book is i think the word he uses which i've never heard other than in this book is the gestalt which is like the full gamut of your performance. Mm. So you walk on stage and you're instantly being not judged, but like, that's the performance. Like, how yeah. are you dressed? Like, how are you walking? Yes. What is your attitude? What is your energy? Exactly. And he's coming on with like a banjo wearing a suit and like a arrow hat or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like super silly energy, whatever his energy is. Yeah. And, uh, but the gestalt of the performance is like everything that you bring to the table, mm. even like, uh, things that aren't funny, you know, like, uh, maybe like, your uh your wit or your i don't know even like sexuality like Mm. there's different elements that uh can be entertaining yeah and engaging to people absolutely and it sounds like you've incorporated more than like you wanted to incorporate more than just like a stale open mic you wanted to create something that engaged the audience exactly and was actually like you know uh more of a entertaining experience exactly exactly like when you think about a show and like if people are enjoying it or how they're experiencing it experiencing it like you have to think about all the different elements and emotions that you're conveying to the audience. And yeah. I like that a lot, actually. You said, cause I do draw a big inspiration from like Steve, Jim Carrey, like all those people who are really just like have creative such big stage presence. They have such big stage presence, like personalities, like they're so unique and definitive in what they do. Like nobody could ever even begin to replicate what they do or even right. try. So I think just like being something different, being something unique, like differentiating yourself, like bringing everything you have to the table. Like, yeah, I'm like this weird, goofy yoga instructor, health yeah. nut, like bring them on stage, like handing out prizes to everybody. You know what I mean? I think it's just, just you can't like, nobody can w- replicate you. Nobody can compete with you. Exactly. It's one of a kind, something I can do and I can only do yes. like to the best of my ability. And like, I'm going to be the best at it. Like no matter what, like I'm confident yeah. in that. So, and I think that's what people come to stand up for. They, yes, they want a perspective. They want commentary. They want jokes. They mm-hmm. want funny more than anything. Yeah. But assume those are all like the baseline. I think the thing that adds a little bit of magic is when somebody is like authentically themselves in a way that's like entertaining and nobody else could be. Exactly. Exactly. And and, and presenting that. Yeah. Kind of be hard because you got to get out of your own head. You kind of got to get out of your own way a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Exactly. That. Exactly. Not that I know how, but you know. No. Adding on to that, especially like I think that's huge too with comedy, like performing, performing arts in general. It's like I watched an interview on Trevor Noah about he was talking about opening for Dave Chappelle, and I forget like where this interview was. It was a woman interviewing him, and he was talking about like being really nervous for opening for Dave Chappelle. Like there's all these big names there, like. Louis C.K., Kevin Hart, you know, just all these heavy hitters. And he's like, do I really deserve here to be here right now? Like, per, like opening for Dave Chappelle. Like, this is crazy. Like, am I really that, that imposter funny? syndrome? Yeah, exactly. Like, do I really deserve to be here? So he walks up to Dave and he asks Dave, he's like, Dave, like, why am I here? 
Like there's a bunch of really big names who are super, super funny. Like, am I really that funny? And Dave's like, no, you're honestly like not that funny. <laughs> like I know 15 people who are like way funnier than he- you, but you're here because you're interesting. You and that kind of like, it just like clicked in my brain. It's like, oh, like, yeah, like comedy, like you have to be funny, but like you also have to be like a personality. You have to be like distinctly you. You have to be like interesting. You have to be relatable. Like there's all these yeah. other elements that come into comedy when being like a performing artist that like other people might gravitate towards to aside from just like the jokes, you know what I mean? So yeah. that really kind of got my gears turning and me thinking about, Oh, how can I push the limits of me being on stage with just like four minutes on stage? What can I do differently to differentiate myself, make myself interesting, make myself unique, be like, Oh, Ramin's that guy who does this. Like he's different. You know what I mean? Like we should go see him. Yeah. So that kind of like really, really sparked a creative bulb in my brain to kind of, keep on pursuing comedy forward and kind of taking it outside of the box of just typical i'm gonna go up on stage and tell jokes for four minutes you know right right i mean it's hard to get on stage like i think that sets you apart from other people just the fact that you're willing to do that yeah and there's something i think in anyone you know like there's a dark side of maybe like narcissism or whatever like attention whores (laughs) yeah i think like any actor or comedian like kind of shares a little bit of Mm -hmm. like you know, they value attention. Of course, it's valuable you for so many reasons. To. Right. But like the other side of it is like you got something to say, mm. like you have something you want to express yeah, and you got to get it out. Like there's something in you that you want to get out. Mm. And, you know, there's all these different mediums to do that. Like people might pursue, you know, acting or comedy mm. or even YouTube or whatever. Like there's so many opportunities to express yourself now. Yeah. So what draws you specifically to comedy versus like other ways that you could be? That's a, that's a very yourself? good question. I'm actually like really glad you asked that because it's been something I've been thinking about a lot too. Like comedy for the most part is like a platform where you can express yourself and kind of be like a, as unfiltered as yeah. you possibly can be in today's day and age. You know what I mean? Like, take what I say with a grain of salt. Yes. Like, a lot of people who are comedians, you know, they use comedy as a platform to express, you know, their trials and tribulations and make fun of them to empower themselves, right? So I think, like, that part where it's like, okay, you're uncensored. I think that's my favorite part. That's my favorite like, part. That's a big part. let it fly. Let it fly. Take yeah. that Overton window, throw it wide open. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, let it fly. Like, you're uncensored. And I think also, like, in its essence, like, what comedy is... Like I'm on stage performing, like I'm conveying certain thoughts, feelings, and emotions onto the audience so they can also feel the same thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Like that's a very, very powerful thing. And it's like to take it even bigger, and I'm kind of like going to Kanye West this. It's like if you think about the world and where we're living in now, it's like the sum of like what the earth is is a culmination of how people are feeling and expressing themselves to make changes on the world, right? Like if somebody says a joke, I feel funny. Like I might buy someone a drink. I feel good. I'm going to have a good time tonight. Like I feel good. Or if somebody, you know, mistreats me, mishandles me, like, you know, kind of like the idea of global consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Like universal consciousness. Like we're all one, like we're all connected in some way through matter. Like we're all exist on this plane that is the universe. So it's like, in its essence, like what I'd like to use comedy for is like to express myself, like make people feel positive, funny, good so that they can take that back with their lives and like hold on to that emotion and have positive impacts on the world. But the the only way to do that and to genuinely do it is to be feeling it and experiencing it yourself. Mm. Like people want to escape their own heads. And that's why it's so annoying when you, not annoying, but like, it's just not funny. If somebody goes on stage and they're super awkward and they're super, you know, nervous and they're like, 
anxious and like that's everybody that's mm. everybody's life already yeah we want the guy who's free we want the guy who's open and expressive yeah. and having a good time and enjoying himself and ex expressing himself yeah and then we can kind of fall into that world for a little bit and if that comes with like some ideas that are not only like intelligible like we can actually follow what they're saying because sometimes you don't even know what people are trying to say yeah right? yeah it's true like, that's it's like true. half the problems with a joke that doesn't hit is like they just didn't even understand what you were trying exactly, to say exactly yeah but like assuming that the audience can can understand your material and connect to your material then they can kind of get out of their own heads for mm -hmm. a minute and maybe even they get like those oh, th those patterns in their own minds mm. and they're starting to think like oh yeah that is true and like you can like have that insight um exactly no yeah. i agree it's a very 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 hard skill to do be able to yes. communicate effectively to the point where someone can internalize what you're feeling thinking and saying it's hard almost to do it anonymously just, it, with it, what you're feeling and saying you know what i mean totally it's yeah. hard to do it just in front of like a camera alone mm. in a room yeah now add all the pressure of a live audience in like a strange venue and yeah. like you know like it gets it's it, it's levels of complexity and I think that's why comedians get so much respect because there's it, a lot of people have good ideas. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can make those good ideas funny. Like how many people can do that on a stage live consistently again and again. Oh, it's so and tough. then, and then that material, how long does it last? You know, 18 months, 36 yeah. months, you know, like it doesn't mm -hmm. last forever. You, you're always coming up with new stuff. Yeah. And there's always so much competition, right? You say something and funny so and then you wake up tomorrow, somebody else says something even funnier. And so now it's like they outshine you. Now I got to think of the next way to get, you know, back on top, like in the limelight. Yeah. This, it's and they, or they like have a riff on your idea and it's mm -hmm. like a better take. And you're like, oh shit. That, yeah. That is a better take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in Austin. There's so much competition and so much good competition too. And the scene is so, so wholesome. Like I went to Massachusetts and just like, you know, there's so many big comedians who came out of Massachusetts, like Bill Burr came from Canton, Louis C.K., Newton, where I grew up. Uh, Joe Rogan also was raised in Newton for a little bit. Um, but when I went back to Boston, the comedy scene was just like, it was only like five mics, maybe throughout the week in like random locations, two of which in Boston, two of which like in Western Massachusetts. So you have to drive like 45 minutes an hour and the people doing it like it just wasn't as genuine the people aren't as motivated like there's a real culture behind the comedy scene here in here, Austin. here yes the people and are very motivated and very they, motivated. they came here because this is what they want to do so exactly. when did how when did you first know that you wanted to perform i've always wanted to like i was always envious of comedians how they can just you know like when you think about the greats like russell peters joe rogan dave chappelle and like Burt Kreischer, like recently Tom Segura, they can just, I'm so envious of the fact Burt that Burt Kreischer's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we I love Burt like Kreischer. I feel like everyone dumps on Yeah, everyone loves no, him. No, I love He's a I've, very I've, lovable person. I fucking love that man because yeah, totally, he's able totally. to just to be like the full expression of himself. Like, you yes. know what I mean? Like yes. he drinks, like he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I he know I drink. Yeah. Drinking is fucking awesome. Yeah. And he's fucking making millions for just like being him off his authentic self. I feel like it's like uh, everyone shits on him, but they do it with, because he knows that everyone loves him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of envious of like, oh, these people are just able to be who they are and like yeah. tell jokes and just like express themselves creatively and make millions off doing it. I'm like, that's oh, yeah. so that's sick. Another like, good part of it. That's the dream. Well, like, well the dream. Yeah. Like if you can actually um, make money doing following your creative pursuits, nobody gets to do that. Everyone is a starving artist. Exactly. 
you know, like how many, how many, but I think in this world, the nice thing about having social media, you know, one of the upsides is that it creates all this opportunity for people to be able to express themselves mm, absolutely. in a way that like there, there was probably, this is something I've been thinking a little bit about is how like fame, celebrity, influence, whatever that is, mm. you know, put all those terms into one bucket. Yeah that used to be concentrated in like Tom Cruise, the mm. movie star. Yeah. It still kind of is or whatever. But like, um, it seems to be vastly distributed and continuously distributed. Definitely. Because definitely. like how many TikTok celebrities are there? I don't know, millions? I don't know any of them. A but lot. like you open up some page and he's got like a million followers or whatever. Mm. And that guy has carved out his own audience. And I think that's a really good thing yeah. that because it creates this like diversity of ideas mm -hmm. and it just expands the marketplace of entertainment Absolutely. and content. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of like one of the benefits that we get for like doom scrolling on all these social feeds, you know, like yeah. going in and just like burning out your adrenal glands and your dopamine sensors yeah. on like all of all of the social it's media. meant to be built that way i don't know if you saw the social dilemma on netflix like, I did, yeah. that was it's, interesting just looking from the perspective of the developers and being like how they use the data how they use the algorithms to like you know basically just it's calculated what you're watching and when you're watching it like right, it's right. all been like calculated it's all been done um but it's so nice to see like yeah i think you know, like as crazy as it is to say, like Donald Trump's like a president, like he was a celebrity, like he's not a politician. Right. Like we're kind of just like kind of expanding, like in terms of like what we thought, oh, only certain people can do this. Now it's like we give the power to the people. They can become influencers. They can become their own, you know, radio host, their own talk show host. Like Donald Trump is kind of a dicey example because he is it's a dicey example. Like, yeah. It's I like, like using like polarizing examples. It he, is abrasive. I mean, he's not he the is best so example. polarizing. Yeah, he, he is. And people like, man, he really creates some mania in people. He's so interesting to me for, for that reason alone that people like get obsessed with him. They get obsessed with him. It's, it's just so hard. Cause it's like the media paints him out to be like, right. The left hates him. The right, likes him who is this man like who yeah. is he actually everyone i think he's a sales guy i think yeah. he's an entertainer <laughs> like, i think he's like a deals guy yeah. and i think he has a personality that is like i don't know cultivates naturally a lot of attention and i think that's like how he's been i guess maybe he's been bankrupt a couple times i don't know exactly like all the things about him that people say yeah. how much is true or false but no matter what, he is like a divisive person. Hmm. Um, but it is an interesting negative example of like what happens when influence does get distributed. Yes. Because then anyone can say anything. And like you yeah. used to just try like Walter Conkright. That's the way the news goes. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. they have like you, you can guarantee that what you're hearing is the truth. Yeah. And it's been there's like a Twitter badge or like there's some verification mechanism. Yeah. It's on the it's on TV. So it must be true. Mm. But now everyone can say anything. Yeah. And it's so much harder to sift through the wheat from the chaff. Yes. Yes, I agree. It's social media influence. It's like a tool. It's a hammer, right? You can either use it to build a house or yeah. break somebody's foot. Like Boom. you can either Hell get yeah. sucked in and just be scrolling like eight hours a day yep. or you can use it to build your own brand and like make your own business. Um, so it really depends how you use it and how you utilize it today, I think is like how it can shape people's lives and how do it you, does do, shape. Do you have lives. any like um, heuristics or like, do you have any ways like how do you, how do you determine who's telling the truth out there? It's so tough, honestly. Like I think 
you're gonna look at like reliability and validity you know like who's yeah saying what like is it true is it false like are they proven to be true over time are they proven to be false over time so it's like kind of those two things like our basis that's a big part say. i think yeah. the idea is that is like how do you determine somebody's credibility yeah yeah and that's, that's like what are they saying how true is it are other people who are like you know like when you think about climate change right like this let's just take this one example it's like we know climate change is a thing because in like 95, 98% of scientists like agree, right. like scientifically, there's empirical data to support climate change. So it's just fucking hot out there. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, it's just so warm. So it's like, okay, like if everybody says this and there's data to support this, then it's most likely like true and like the earth is not flat, like there's satellites. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like that thing. But it's also like, yeah, like, you know, once you really look into it, like you see like other like platforms, like news sources, like they promote like a certain agenda or an ideology and they kind of back it up with false premonitions. Mm -hmm. And that's when it gets like dicey is like people who are in power, people have influence that kind of misuse that. And then it's like, all right, this is how I get misled to believe into so-and-so and like X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of just using a culmination of people who are like reliable, like independent news sources, especially too, because they do their own research. They're very thorough. They have a passion for it versus like people who are in the news industry, like typically promote a certain agenda yes. for like some sort of capitalistic gain versus like, right. you know what I mean? Saying Trump is like a bigot, like an asshole, like, yes, like maybe he is, but also maybe they're saying that to discredit him so that the, they, you know, the liberal it's agendas. democratic agendas. And, and, yeah, exactly. And the thing that we like about these independent news sources, I think is that they have less agendas. We all know what their agendas are. They want to make more money. They want to get more views. They want yep. to like sell more ads. Exactly. Okay. That's the most common thing right now. This conversation is competing with every other podcast on the planet, every other news show, we all are competing for attention. So yeah. like, let's just, that's the fair playing ground. We all want to sell ads or whatever. Absolutely. But after that, what are the entanglements that CNN has versus Fox news versus whatever other, you know, like, um, mainstream news sources. Yeah. I think they're highly politicized and I think that they're highly intertwined with like government and like, who knows, who knows Absolutely. all I the mean, other like, You got to think about like who's funding these networks, who's funding them. Right. And like, what because are their that agendas? Is what yeah. is going to set the content schedule? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, people don't take that extra step into like, like, Oh, like, okay. Like, let's just take this. Do you know who Andrew Tate is? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you've seen Andrew Tate and he's recently like a lot of controversies surrounded him because he's been pulled off like Instagram and Facebook for being misogynistic. Well, like, yes, he is misogynistic, but like, what else? He seems he like saying? a Milo type antagonistic. Uh, what do they call those people? Protagon? No, like, uh, starts like, with a P. Like antagonistic, like evil. Yeah, there's a word. Protagonist that, is like the good guy in the story. No, yeah, but anyway, he's just trying to like provocateur. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, I see. He's trying to provoke people. Absolutely, because he understands we live in an attention comedy, and like, what his yes. what he says, like, like it invokes emotion out of people people right. get emotionally charged at what he says and that like invests them into his content and that's yes. how he's able to build you know what i mean so but it's like okay like yes he says some gross shit but what else is he saying like what are other incentives for people to take him down off these platforms like you know what i mean it's all kind of i don't know too much about him is yeah. he what kind of like so he was in the ufc no he was like a kickboxer oh. Oh, okay. and then like he uh, like was kickboxing and was like, I'm sick of being broke. And then he and his brother kind of, you know, made the moves and the steps, took the steps to basically just like a accumulating a, a high value of wealth. And then he's just like now like this ripped, like really 
fit, like 35 year old man who's like worth seemingly like $350 million, who has like a bunch of his own ventures, who owns like nice cars, lives like a nice lifestyle. And like a lot of guys resonate with him because they want to achieve that sort of masculine prerogative. But is that how he built his wealth? You know, it's kind of like, no, it's not. And it's very evident. If you actually listen to what he says, it's like, yeah, here are four revenue sources that I'm willing to release, uh, reveal to the public today. It's like, dude, you obviously do some shady shit. I'm not hating on it. Like, you know what I mean? Get your money any way you can. Like, whatever. Cool. Um, like, a lot of people have a different, a lot of different opinions on him because he's so good at just, like, getting people to be, like, riled up and, like, say things that, like, just, like, entices people right. to engage, whether it's positively, negatively, so on and so forth. But my point being is, like, okay, this man was censored. Why is he censored? Like, yeah, he's saying a bunch of gross shit towards women, but he's also saying a bunch of stuff that could, like, threaten, like, you know, the order of way we do social media. Like, he basically have this pyramid scheme where he gets people to post videos for him and market for him. And it's like, he's everywhere now because of that. And it's like, that's dangerous. Like he's like threatening the way we have order in like these different social media platforms. So it's like, you got to also think like what else is he saying to threaten maybe like the, you know, the way like social media has been carried out and the way people post content and so on and so forth. So I have seen some of his misogynistic stuff and that my take on it seems like he's playing a little bit of a role there just to try and just to get people be, pissed off. Yes. yes. It's like, and okay. create an emotional reaction. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Even if you hate someone, like you're still watching all their shit, like you're still yep. giving them money. Yep. Let me use a different example besides edutate. Like, let me like, let's go back to the social media dilemma, right? Like the yep. social dilemma that, uh, Netflix documentary, right? Right. right. So it's like they highlighted the importance of like, you know, how gross it is for these big developers and CEOs to like exploit the data of like the everyday consumer and use it for their own personal gain. Right. Right. Okay. So at the end of the documentary, like they said this thing where I was like, oh, like all these private corporations are like abusing like people's rights. Like we should hand everything to the government and the government should have oh, yeah, full control. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Like the whole prerogative, like the whole idea for this is like, let's distrust private corporations and hand all the power to the government. But I also don't agree yeah, with that Yeah, why are you going to trust either. the government? Yeah. So it's like, why is this, why was the agenda, what was the agenda of the documentary? The agenda was get people to, to distrust private corporations and put more faith in the government for their data, which is also like, dude, like, what the actual fuck? You know what I mean? But yeah. people are just like social media companies are bad. They exploit you. But it's I like, mean, I used to work for a social media company. I won't really? name it. People can look it up and figure it out. But yeah. Like um, one of the things that got me into trouble there is I was like, can we all just be real honest about what we're doing? Yeah. We are trying to harvest as much time from people yeah. as possible yeah. so we can glean all the data that we can from them and yep. sell it to the highest bidder. Exactly. Let's just get real honest about that. Yeah. And if, at least if we're honest about that, maybe we can like build some tools or some policies that will be protective or whatever. Or people can and benefit from like, it at least. You know what I mean? If they're spending all their time, like on social media, like, you know what China does? Like TikTok, like children can't go on. Like Joe Rogan's talked about this. You can't go on after 10 PM. Like they put like scientific achievements, like, uh, athletic achievements right, right. on there. So it's like they can motivate these children to like aspire to be something better versus just like people dancing. You know but I, I mean? would, I would trust that these social media companies will align their incentives with the market forces. And if like the market forces dictate that you have to like do that type of stuff, like promote education mm. and promote wellness and 
you know, in China, it's top down governmental. Yeah. You know, like there's all these problems and side effects that I'm sure are created from a top down approach. Yeah. But if like the market actually dictates what we want is education, information uh, and like positive well-being, then I think these social media companies will respond. But right now, these algorithms are blind. Yeah. They're really just optimizing for time and app. That's, yeah. You know, what are you trying to do? Optimize time and app. It's, exactly. it's, it's what this conversation, we are trying to optimize time and app. Yeah. We don't <laughs> yeah, want people to bounce from this video. I want them to look at the next clip of this and the next, yes. you know, the, the short video or whatever. Like, everyone is kind of doing that thing. And so that's why I don't see it as like so evil, yes. but like we need to find some rules to the game. There. I agree. I agree. And I think you like personally, like you're super into health and fitness and empowering people with health and fitness and nutrition, especially, which I respect you a lot for like the food you cook looks amazing and healthy, <laughs> so on and so forth. Thanks, but it's like, yeah. you have a positive intention of like, Hey, I want to get this person to watch my content so that they can better themselves. Right. You know right. I mean? There is so a positive like, intention. So there. it's like, that's admiral versus like other, like, you know, like, the algorithm just like looking at your eyes to see where you're looking on the screen to be like, hey, here's more videos of you right. watching people dancing because you looked at this video like four seconds longer than you did this right, other video. Right. You know what I mean? So it's again, it's like a tool. It's like people can either misuse it or use it to build themselves up or break themselves down. It just depends how you look on it. Do you, do you think TikTok is a tool in service of China to bring down America? I've uh, heard, I think Rogan no, about I think that that's, a little I bit. Think that's, I, I really, it. it's, I don't think it, no. I think that's like a little exacerbated yeah. i mean like yes and no kind of like i think china's like definitely aware of it but i think it's also like the american people like have the most power like if everyone really mm -hmm. just watched videos of just like how to better yourself like how to eat healthy how to work out effectively like if we honestly took all of our attention and just focused it towards that like then the app would generate like the algorithm would support that right, right. you know what i mean the algorithms are giving us exactly what we're clicking on yeah just feeding more of what we want yeah exactly and it's like if the people really need to kind of i think that's one of the mysteries i've always had like people are always like the algorithm it's such a mysterious thing like yeah let me tell you these engineers barely understand how this things work yeah like, <laughs> when you build when you build these machine learning algorithms nobody can tell you what's in the algorithm. That's kind of like how it's built. Yeah. It's a bunch of training data that gets piped in and you're trying to optimize for something like, let's say you're trying to analyze pictures for a spoon and it gets really good at recognizing utility or, uh, you know, like forks and knives and spoons or whatever you, yeah. whatever the training data is. Um, and so there's no malice in there. It's literally just a black box and people like are getting it's echoing back whatever they're putting in exactly so if you're constantly clicking on dancing videos of whatever yeah that's where you're gonna get exactly if you're constantly clicking on scientific videos that's what you're gonna get exactly and there's no mystery in in it other than like it's just gonna feed you exactly what you are uh it's echoing back what you're engaging with exactly exactly they're objective measures to which like why it gives you the videos you want to look at yes, it's yes. like up to the individual for them to determine is this positive is this negative am i yep. splurging yep. am i indulging am i bettering myself right you know what i mean right and it's like you know like society is set up in a way where it's easy to indulge and it's easy to go down that wrong path but if you have totally. a little bit of self-discipline and you yes. put in the work like it's easy to set it up in a way where it's like this will be mutually beneficial like the content i'm looking at will like 
could help me every day in my life in terms of nutrition tips, in terms of just like working out, in terms of like finances, discipline, yep, yep. like self-actualization, so on and so forth. Because I do see some but good But it does content. take discipline. It does take discipline. And that's something that's like, it's not taught in schools, right? Yeah. How to be disciplined. Like you kind of have to figure that out for yourself, whether it's through a sport, whether it's through like an extracurricular activity. This is a conversation I have with a lot of people, just that our world is so interesting that for, for all of time in history, the whole problem was I'm starving to death mm. and I'm going to die tomorrow from exactly. the Vikings invading my town. Yeah. Now our problem is like a, a hamburger's a nickel. You can have infinite hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's infinite food, there's infinite candies and cakes and cookies. Yeah. And you can just live on this marshmallow and just like indulge all day yeah. long with porn and video games yep. and food and whatever the monkey... Uh, mind that whatever that thing wants the lizard brain yes like you could just feed it infinitely infinitely and it takes so much more discipline and self-control to say um even i'm not gonna go watch this fitness video i'm gonna go work out yes like you know like it there's all sorts of levels to it yeah absolutely i think especially like today in human history like the past 50 years like think about like the technology boom the information boom like we're biologically designed, like we're outdated. Like we were, you know what I mean? Yeah. Our genes are meant to support like who we Super were like, outdated. 400 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, and I think all these or issues, four million years. Yeah. Ago. Four million years ago. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think it's just like a very challenging thing where like we are learning to adapt to the way we've been expanding and growing. And it's yep. like, we are not biologically meant to support the way we live now. Like, you know what I mean? There's in-group biases. Like before, like when you were, like raise like in a part of a village like you'd only want to feed your village so your village your people can survive it was like life or death situation if yes. someone rolled up on your village you'd have to kill them you right. know you'd have to have angers of malice like violence like totally. frustration in order to live yeah. and now it's like we've transcended the point where we've evolved intellectually to the point where how do we wrestle with these feelings? How do we express them correctly? Yeah. Take a pill. Yeah. Take a pill. That's meditate. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it, it's like people and I'm guilty of this as much as anyone, but like, it's just so funny that you're not going to be depressed when you're fighting for your life. You're going to mm. be satisfied yeah. because you're actually out there in the woods hunting. Mm. And if you didn't get the boar or the, the, the meat or whatever, mm. if you didn't gather the berries, you're going to die. Yeah, exactly. And when you do, you get like this flood of like positive emotion. Yeah. And now it's just, you wake up and you're like, well, I could do this or I could do that. Well, none of it matters. <laughs> you yeah, know, and it's exactly. like, you kind of got to like, it's easy to fall into, um, like I think these depressive states and it's just like a side effect of having too much luxury, exactly. too much comfort. Yeah. Too much access to yeah. too much access too to e things that, yeah, life is too easy, right? Yeah, exactly. Life is too, it's, it's almost hard because it's too easy. Like right. how do I manage? I think who it is I hard. Am? I agree. It's very, very hard to be like, how do I manage who I am? How do I grow? How do I live a fulfilling life in a day and age where it's like, I can play video games for eight hours a day right. and fuck off and right. like, there might not be immediate consequences, but like over time, like it's going to be depressing because you're not actually like working on yourself or having any sort of contributions to society, right? which is like what you'd have to do before. Right. Like think about yeah. like, Oh, if you didn't get up off your ass and go find water, like you'd be dead. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the yes. only thing you're granted in life is death. And that's been lost in translation with how advanced we become. Now everyone's like, I deserve food. I deserve water. And it's like, of course you like deserve these things now because like we've set up society in a way 
to where allow it's for that. Convenient or yeah, whatever. exactly. Where you can pay for it. But like before, like 200 years ago, like, no, you're not guaranteed those things. Yep. And there's biological feedback mechanisms where it's like, oh, yeah, I hunted the boar. Like I'm cooking yep. food over a fire. Like that's yep. so gratifying like emotionally yes. you know what yes. i mean like you just are you're able to provide for yourself and your family to yeah. live another day like that's and why and you're actually hungry like when is the last time you've been actually hungry like i love that feeling of being like really hungry yeah and go eat some grilled chicken when you're really hungry yeah it's amazing it's amazing, it's amazing. yeah like a piece of brussels sprouts or or broccoli or whatever it's literally delicious yeah and it's not delicious if you just had a Krispy Kreme, mm. but it's real delicious if you're hungry and you just ran or yeah. whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And so in this world, you have to set up your own challenges. Yes, exactly. You have to provide a framework for your own life and really think through who you are in order yep. to yep. seek that self-gratification. And I think that's where like social media becomes so dangerous, too. It's like you're it's so easy to compare. Yeah to somebody else like think about like 50 100 years ago like if you found a nice woman in your town right, right like you didn't know what was in the next town over you didn't know what was in the next state over you didn't know what yep. anybody else was doing yep. you didn't know how like who else was dating what or who's married to who like all you knew was like oh this woman is like awesome yep. she's beautiful yep. like i'm probably not gonna i'm meet. probably never gonna meet another woman well, yeah for like 50 who, miles exactly away like who knows what's in the ocean now it's right. like oh i can scroll on my fingertips and see who's doing what dating what who has what and it's so dangerous because it's so easy to lose attention and focus on other people versus like hey like it's easy to be like that guy's fat that guy's stupid that guy's dumb point at yourself like Am I stupid? Am I fat? Am I dumb? Can I admit that to myself? Well, it's these it's this trade-off that we get for the convenience. So it's super convenient to be able to swipe on a couple of girls and then boom, I don't even have to like go risk anything and ask her out. I just like get to match with her yeah. and hey, do you want to go get a drink? Yes, no, next. Yeah. And but like what do you lose in that convenience? Hmm. Well, you're not really putting anything on the line. Yeah. Like I'll cancel that date last minute and neither one oh, we've all been ghosted a thousand times yeah. and nobody cares anymore. We're all like, you know, immune to it. Yeah. Yeah, or like I've had this fight or this disagreement with this person, but I can find someone who's even better. And right, not. It's right. Like we don't, we're not willing to work through our flaws. We're like, yep. oh, I'll just escape and go towards the next best thing, seemingly. So the convenience creates this counter effect of, I don't know, like exactly what it is, but there's a downside to this on-demand world where you can get anything you want exactly when it you is. want it, like delivered to your door. Agreed. Yeah, it doesn't put, it doesn't like incentivize like hard work. It doesn't incentivize hard work and yeah. it gives you these uh, so that so that it doesn't incentivize hard work. You're getting unearned pleasure and it's only going to increase because mm. one day instead of DoorDash, you're going to have sex robot dash or whatever. Yeah. Right. And it's going to be like the, the she's a 10 yeah. and she's indistinguishable <laughs> from like a real girl. And machines are just going to come to your house and suck you off. Yes. And leave 100%. And, and then you're 100%. not going to want to talk to women because of well, that what would be the point? This one's got like the perfect algorithm that knows you. They've yeah. got the company based off of of all of your past uh, interactions with all the previous sex bots and yeah. like she says exactly what you want to hear and blah 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 or like and it's, it's just more porn it's just more fast food and yeah. video games yeah. and junk food or like the vice versa where it's like now women are getting dicked down by machines yes yes and now like guys are like fuck how do i compete with this thing that literally can't come and just like yeah just drilling like, incessantly and loves her emotionally and provide anything she wants for her and it's like exactly it's like what how am i supposed to compete with that no yeah we're definitely we're definitely getting out of touch with certain biological instincts that are meant to be there. Like yeah. when I meet you in person, I'm supposed to feel in a yeah. certain way because like you smell or look a certain way. You and know there's I mean? an isolation to that. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, I can kind of 
put a persona online and look any way I want and say mm-hmm. anything I want and like not have to be who I really am in order to attract attention or gain oh. notoriety or status or fame. So do you think that is what Andrew Tate might be doing a little bit? Like how much of like people like him, you know, Trump, Tate, pick your person. How much of what they're putting out is like who they truly are yeah. versus something that's just trying to aggregate. Clips? No. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's like, uh, take whatever he says with a grain of salt. Cause it's like who, what, had to happen to this man in order for him to like assert himself to this point to try and get the affection and love of like yeah, all these different people. Question. You know what I mean? Like what's his real prerogative? What's that real hole in his heart? Like what is he aiming to do? Like, I don't really totally. know. I don't really know. And that's okay. Like I do, I do appreciate the one thing I do appreciate about him. That's like controversial is like him being proud to be masculine. Like, I think that's okay. Like it's okay to feel totally. like a guy. It's okay to have these certain emotions, like whether or not, how you treat women is like a whole nother thing, right? There's just so many elements to him that are so interesting. And that's why people gravitate to him because he's such a personality. He's so is he complex. like a red pill, a manosphere guy. Like, yeah, uh, he's like, we okay. need to, you need to get up off your ass, es- escape the matrix or like, you're going to get nowhere in your life. Like no one's going to do anything for you to make you feel better. Like you have to do it yourself. Like, well, that's very true. It's very, very true. So it's like, he says like polarizing things like that where it's like some people, yeah, like you and I agree with him where it's like, you need to get up off your ass and you need to move yeah. over your body to be healthy. Like, Takes and, responsibility. and probably like, yeah, like not women aren't necessarily looking for the nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they are to marry and to like have a family and build stability Absolutely. in a life and a long term relationship. But for the weekend, that's not who they're looking exactly. for. And it's like, you and know, a lot to... of guys, that's what they want. Exactly. The, they want to be the party boy. They exactly. want the weekend fun guy. Or so it's like it gets dangerous when, you know, certain people are pushing a certain certain agenda where it's like women want to be treated like this. Do all women want to be treated like this? Do all guys? Cause there's a bunch of guys who disagree with them and there's a bunch of girls who disagree with them and that's fine. At least you know where you stand, but there's still a bunch of guys who re- resonate with what he says and how he acts. And there's still a bunch of women who are attracted to the way he carries himself. And it's like, you shouldn't be ashamed if you fall under either category, right? Either you like I, him or you don't like him and that's fine. And like, that's your take. And that's why I think he's so interesting is because he's able to bring out all these aspects of himself and people are so invested what he says like emotionally and they're so just like motivated by what he says emotionally like but i i don't like it when people speak in absolutes where they say like all women are this way or all men are this way like well people are people like i agree you know there's a huge diversity i agreed and i hate that when people yeah uh, put in blanket statements and generalize people when it's like dude we're so we're so different we're so the same like i get it it's very easy to generalize people being like, we all love to eat. You right, know what I mean? Right. You have to, or yes. you'd be dead if you right. didn't like to eat. Right. But it's Why really it's easy there? to take it to the next step and make other generalizations that are just like not true or like just don't have backing to them. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So, so, so along dicey. the, along these lines, um, how do, how does all this type of thinking like influence your comedy? Like, what do you talk about? How do you come up with your material? What are you interested in? Yeah. Um, kind of like, like what do you have? Or do you have a message or like, that's you, a great question. I think I'm kind of still like refining it and right, having fun right. with it. I don't think I like when I go up on stage, I don't have be like, I need to communicate this. Right, in fact, right. actually like half the time I go up on stage, I have no idea what the fuck's going to happen because it's really hard. Like when you have a nine to five job, and then you're going to do an open mic afterwards, like write jokes, prepare like something new, like every week, every set, like it's near impossible. You won't do it. Like, right. so it's like, I have a few, I've probably developed like 10 to 15 minutes so far of jokes that I know work, but 
that's what everyone is doing. That's they're what they're sticking doing. with what works. They, they throw stuff out there. Like this, I know, I know this works. So it's like, okay, I'm going to keep this in my back pocket. But what I've been doing recently is like, I've been getting a lot more experimental with it where it's like, I'll bring up two chairs on stage and I'll like ask people to come up on stage to have a conversation or I'll start doing oh, like, really I'll start going to open mics and start doing game show stuff. Or I'll bring like two walkie talkies and have like a monologue with myself, like just on having stage, fun with it, just having fun with it, just being creative, just being different, yeah. being experimental. And it's like, I want to, you know what I mean? To me, if I'm going to be successful in comedy, like it has to be like who I am. Like I just have to be the personality. I should be able yeah. to go do this yeah. like the back of my hand. And it's like, I challenge myself in some aspects where, you know, some people are really scared about like what they are going to go up on stage and like how they're going to say it and how people are going to judge them. I love going up on stage with nothing planned to be like, I can absolutely fucking bomb right now. Like that excites me. Like it's all feedback. Let's see how we far we can take it. Let's see how we can do it differently. And some of my best yeah. sets have been just like me, like spitballing, just like being who I am up on stage. And that's like the positive feedback where it's like, I know this is viable. Like th there's potential here because people enjoy this. They tell me they enjoy it. Right. And it's just something that comes like kind of natural to me. And I kind of naturally challenge myself and like those aspects in regard but it's something like yeah i'm still it takes time to do and like there's comedians who've been doing it for a year three years five years ten years and they don't kind of have like their niche their thing and mine is kind of just like pushing the boundary like doing different things like just being creative yeah so would you say that you have like any comedy influences or one of the things that i'm kind of careful with is even like with what movies i watch i don't watch a lot of movies i don't watch a lot of like comedy specials because and even with like podcasters, like how long can you listen to the same guy before that person like gets inserted into your brain yeah, and they start like conditioning, like the way you speak and like your, the words you use and like, yeah. you know, like, I yeah. mean, we all, we all like are, I wouldn't even say subject to it because I think it's just su supernatural, mm -hmm. um, how that stuff comes out. But like, there's still like, you want to be careful about the information you're letting inside your head. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we all have subconscious biases where it's like, Oh, like I like this, like I'm going to, you know, kind of mimic that. Um, like I think, sorry, excuse me. I have a burp. Oh, you can burp. Okay. <laughs> this is a burp friendly podcast. <laughs> burp on the podcast. Yeah. So I think for me, people who stand out are the people who like differentiate themselves. Like I love just being different and unique. Like Jim Carrey is like one, for example, He's just like a personality, like nobody on earth can replicate what he does and who is it he is. Because he's crazy, though. Half of it is. Yeah, right. Half of it yeah. is like definitely that there's that element, but he's also like very well spoken when he wants to be. He's very like thorough Thoughtful. and genuine when he wants. Yeah, exactly. So that's like someone who I really, really admire. Of course, like Russell Peters was the first comedian my uncle showed me. I was like, somebody's gonna get a hurt real, but like he just had relatable jokes from that my family resonated with a lot, like just like growing up being brown, like all these traditional values of like someone who's Indian, Iranian, like they're very, very similar. Um, but Is I he Indian? Russell Peters? Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. Okay. yeah, his parents were Indian. Um, I think he was born in the States though. I'm not too sure. But I know he grew up with that cultural right. ethnic background. Um, but I think people who are just like uniquely themselves and like I aspire because like I know who I am. I know I'm goofy. I know I'm creative. I know I'm very thoughtful. Like I kind of just... I see like, oh, like maybe, um, you know, Anthony Jeselnik, like he has like this humor, like he's very, very funny, but like he has this humor on lock where it's like he has very like misdirectional humor. So it's like how like, OK, like misdirection. I do like that humor. Like, how can I take it and make it my own? How, how would you define that misdirectional humor? Misdirectional humor. humor like uh, I'm trying to think of like a 
good concrete example. Is that like a juke or like a fake out or like? It's like my like, yeah, like misdirections. Like my parents, like I know, like me and my parents they get along when they caught me watching porn, like over their shoulders. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like you know, so it's okay, like gotcha. it's like that kind of like. It's like, oh, like you took it to a place like you didn't think it would right. go. I do like that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that humor is funny, but it's like, how do I do it and like make it my own? And it's like, oh, like I had this experience where I was in Colorado um, with this guy who Snapchatted me something really inappropriate. Like, I'm going to keep his identity secret. Like, let's just say like he's like this white gay art student. We'll call him Jerome. You know what I mean? You yeah. wouldn't a picture like right. a white gay art student. Like you wouldn't call him like. Right. So it's just like or I don't want to get my cousin in trouble. Yeah, or exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's just like little, little tiny things like that um, that are funny, that are good. But it's like I take inspiration from other people. But it's like I can't copy them. Yep. And like whatever I think and way I internalize it, I know I'm confident where that's uniquely me. And I know like other people can't replicate do you, that. Um, do you ever find yourself sometimes like imitating people on stage? I do all the time. Like where I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I just like literally did that guy <laughs> kind of, but like, no, because like half the time I go up on stage, I have no idea what I'm doing. That's true. That's true. But if you listen, when you listen to the recording, you're like, ah, uh. <laughs> like a little bit. I mean, it's been a while since I performed. So yeah. I pop, I also, like, honestly, like I'm not like comedy. Like I know the big names, like Tom Segura, like Burke Kreischer, Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, like Louis C.K., Bill Burr. But like any step below that like i i'm kind of know the mark normans and the shane gillises but like other than that i really don't know that many comedians right so like i kind of limit myself where it's like i'm only really like watching like the best of the best and like they're so them like i know i can't do what they do but i do take some inspiration but like the way i internalize it I'm like confident enough in who I am to let it be. This is going to be distinct with me. But even Mark Norman is a good example. I really resonate with his comedy. I really, I mean, he might be like, I, I wouldn't say he's middling. He seems like pretty, pretty legit to me, but no, like, yeah, yeah. um, he definitely has a Norm Macdonald vibe who I also loved. Yeah. So I think it's like, that's where it takes, like, I'm like, Oh, like this person's just them. You know what I mean? Like I don't read into their, jo- like I don't take their, jo- like, but it's not, but it's not like an impersonation and it's not like a, it's not a negative thing at all. It's more of like, it, and I wouldn't even call it an homage. It's almost like you're both tapping into the same vein. Mm. You're mining ore out of the same yes, vein. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I see you. I personally, because I do like a lot of improv, like I don't think I fall under that trap. Sometimes with some jokes, like maybe like maybe I'll see like a Twitter joke and I'll kind of like take a spin off of it and kind of add an extra element. Right. Right. And like, that's where I am guilty where it's like, Oh, but is that, is that bad or is that just riffing on like, is that just a continuation of an elaboration? I think it's dicey. I think like, especially in the comedy community, people can get very, very like offended and upset really easily. If it's just like, Oh, you're straight up taking his joke. So it's like, it sucks when somebody, when you feel like you had an original idea and other people took it from you and then even made money off of it. That is a bad feeling. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, that just comes with the feedback. You know, if I say like a joke that I found out online, like people aren't going to call me out on it because I kind of tweaked it at a point where I made it distinctly me and no one recognizes right. that, Oh, uh, this was influenced from online versus like other comedians who I might know who like say certain jokes who I'm not going to say, um, like they've been prone to being like called out for it's like, dude, this is like a TikTok or like, dude, this but is I, a I meme. Don't th- I don't think you can get too serious about it because did you ever hear this quote from Carl Sagan? Uh, if you want to create an apple pie from scratch you have to first invent the universe yeah (laughs) and so we're all like standing on the shoulders of giants nobody like is truly original we all have very similar parallel thinking yes and what is gross and what we hate is when somebody isn't creative 
and all they can do is take the ideas of other people and like perform it. Yeah. And well, you might as well be an actor then go somebody, have somebody write your lines. Yeah. Agreed. You know, like we want, we want comedians, we want original ideas. Yes. I think there's a natural balance and that like falls in the hands of the audience in terms of like, the Hey, this yeah. dude is like blatantly ripping off somebody else. So like, right. Oh, this was a funny take on this conversation right, that this right. other person talked about. It's like how you do it, how you navigate, navigate it. Like what's your delivery? Like, yep. you yep. know what I mean? So I think that's a case by case thing. And I think I don't, as of now, I think I'm in the clear because I haven't had any feedback where people are like upset with me for what I'm doing, mainly because like half my stuff is improv and like half my stuff is so unique. Like I like being unique and weird and different. Like most people are scared. I'm like, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that's that stuff's funny to me. You know, what but I, mean? I think that's what is going to resonate with people in the long term. And yeah. that's how you're going to build an audience is finding the people that are like, OK, I really like that about him. And yeah. that is something I'm not finding in other comedians or whatever. Exactly. And if you can be um, I think another thing I've been thinking is like, so what makes somebody worthy of just like getting a million dollars a year mm. creating content? Yeah. Lots of people do it. Lots of people make like a hundred grand a month yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. Just like posting their ideas it's out there. It's crazy. But what, but what, the, why they deserve that is mm. because they were willing to put themselves out there. Yeah. And before anyone else was. Yes. Like, so they were early to the game yes. and they were consistent and they actually did it. And so like anyone can have the idea. Yeah. Did you actually, it goes back to what we were talking about manifesting. Mm. Did you actually take that idea in the morning? Here's yeah. the things I want to do. Okay. Now I wrote them down. Okay. Now I have a list. Now did I actually complete some items on that list or the whole list? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you can do all that, then you're worthy of the outcome. Yes. And you can't like bitch and moan if somebody like, um, got something that you feel like you could have done, but you just didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's what separates people. There's like, Anyone can have a good idea. It's the execution that matters. Mm, mm. I mean, there's so, it's because that you said a lot there that yeah. there's so much to respond to there, right? It's like okay, like you know what I mean. When you think of prolific people in our society, like okay, there's Bill Gates who's created Microsoft and invented this technology that like a lot of us use like regularly and daily, and that adds so much value in terms of like access to information, and like he deserves to be a billionaire. Like Elon Musk is like innovating like technology, like the way we drive cars, like sustainable yeah. energy, so on and so forth. Like those people are putting in the work to make prolific changes in society and are compensated for it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's how like capitalism is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Then we got people like Addison Ray, like she looks really cute and she does dances on TikTok, and she's like making more money than like a teacher could ever dream about ever seeing in their life versus someone who's like dancing online versus someone who's like teaching the next generation of children, like passing down information like instilling them knowledge so that they can make changes to yeah. society you know what i mean or a firefighter or, or a police firefighter, officer a police like officer. you know like it, yeah I, so there's such a wide i think the disconnect comes from hey like what's going to make me money and what's going to be like productive towards society like right. ideally all the things that are making you money should be productive towards society but right. there's a disconnect and like some of those things aren't true and some people are capitalizing on ways to make money without actually like servicing society in a productive yep. manner so that I thought was very, very interesting, but yeah, it's definitely, it's like, a, I mean, Instagram yeah. models are a great example of that. Like I follow a bunch of hot girls <laughs> and I, you know, I don't want to diminish them, but like what did they deserve? I mean, yes, they work out and yes, they like go and get their hair done or whatever, but like, are they really bringing something really valuable to the table or do they just got a great ass? Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like. 
okay, like when you think about Instagram models specifically, it's like they put in the work to look the way they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people like and that's valuable. That's valuable. People love looking at that. People deem that as valuable because like when you think of beauty too specifically, it's like oh like this person I want to be with this person because they're beautiful. Like I want to procreate with this person because they have good genes. We can make beautiful children. Like that's like what's inherently tra- like attractive, attractive about about them. About them. Yeah. Um, they put in the work on their bodies themselves. They look a certain way. They raise the standard of like how people, um, what beauty is. Okay. And maybe there is some credit. Maybe that's some real credit. And and that's some real value. Like think about Kim Kardashian, think about Kylie Jenner. Like they're the two staple models in terms of like how we look at beauty. You know what I mean? Like big ass, big butt. Can I tell you the worst joke I ever heard about Kylie Jenner? (laughs) I can't name the person who said it. I can't credit them. But, uh, they said, it was so mean. It's not even a joke. She was like, um, anyway, I can't remember exactly what it was, but basically that she's still going to have ugly kids. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you can yeah. have all the plastic surgery in the world, but that's not going to change your genes. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh my God, that is so mean. So that's even further. It's like taking it like there's a difference before now it used to be pretty like there's a large correlation between how you look and like what your genes are. Yeah. Now, because now of technology, you can like just, if you have money, you can go and like get the lips and buy the ass and buy yeah. the implants or exactly. whatever it is. You can look however you want to look. Although like. I will say like, she is one of the few examples of a real improvement. I really don't like these lip injections and mm. you know, like everyone's like altering their faces yeah. and it's very rare where you find a good example of it. But Kylie Jenner is a good one. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not going to be passed to her kids. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll be able to afford it anyway. Yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they'll yeah. be okay, yeah. yeah. Nobody's feeling bad for the Jenners. Yeah, nobody, nobody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I forget who told this joke, but it's like uh, Chris Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner, like mm-hmm. one woman of the year, like the oh, year yeah. after. I think yeah. Dave Chappelle said it. It's like this woman was a woman for one year, and now she wins woman of like the year. It's, it's funny. It's it hilarious. really is it's a man's funny. world. Well, it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like if a man can live his whole life for 40 years or 50 years or however old he is, and then in one year he transitions, it's just men can do anything. Men run the world, for real. (laughs) Like, we can be the best man and the best woman. It's incredible. It's incredible. That's what's so ironic about it. No, we're living in a fucking crazy time to be alive. It's so crazy, dude. It's so crazy. It's crazy to see, like, where we're going, where we're headed, like, where we're, like, what path are we on, like, what needs to happen in order for us to, like, continue and sustain and yeah it's just i'm excited and nervous at the same time for what's gonna happen me too dude yeah but it's a fun time i'm uh super happy to be here in austin and uh be able to connect with people like you um what do people need to know about ramin that we haven't covered what do i'm oh that's a good question what do people need to know about ramin um people need to know that i'm like very like especially after getting the comedy scene like i'm very very adamant and persistent and just like pursuing like self-actualization. Like I want to be the best I can be to service society and make people feel good and make sure they have a good time. And just like sharing like good experiences with people. And like, that's my whole prerogative. That's why I do comedy is because I want to go up on stage and make a bunch of people feel happy. So just know like there's more to come from me. Like I'm multifaceted. I'm open-minded. Like I'm educated. Super multifaceted. Yeah. I mean, you have a wide range of interests. Yeah. For sure. And I love just like pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits. So just like keep an eye out for me and you never know where you might see me in the future. This is just the start. This is my first podcast. So Caleb, I'd like to thank you for having me on because you made my podcast dreams come true. Very true. happy to, man. 
very yeah. happy to. So it's just exciting taking those baby steps, you know. Just it's a long road, but I'm excited about the journey, not about the destination, you know. Like, well, we should keep talking. When we talked at Creek, I was like, okay, this guy's definitely got stuff to say. Yeah, no, and I appreciate. It. I was super, super humbled when you asked me to come on and you know collaborate co- uh, creatively because I can understand how pe- like artists specifically are super sensitive about what they make and what they put out. So. I just appreciate, you know, you being open-minded, you having me on, like super thankful to be on this, super pumped up for to see this and, you know, once this gets posted and share it and so on and so forth. So I'm happy oh, yeah, to man. keep on talking, happy oh, yeah. to keep on collaborating, I'll happily come on here again. Maybe I'll bring you up on stage. Like, yes. let's keep the, bo- like, that's a thing about like what I realized, like before I go and I'll, I just like really, really want to say this too, like everybody, like, have you heard the expression like, oh, like heaven is like when everybody is sitting at the table and there's a bunch of food laid out and they all have like really, really long spoods and everybody in heaven is like using their long spoods to feed each other. But the people in hell are like using their long spoons and they can't feed themselves oh, because great. they're too long. So I'm like a firm, firm believer in the philosophy is like, dude, if I go out and do a show, right. And I see you on stage, like I'm going to take a snapshot. I'm going to post it. I'm going to tag people in it. Like I'm going to put you on because I know that's what I want somebody to do for me. I want people to put me on and in, in turn I'll reciprocate. But it's like you know, I everybody love that metaphor. everybody wants to be like an influencer. Everybody wants to be actualized. Everybody wants to be self-sufficient. Everyone wants to be like noticed, like admired, have that status, have that influence, have that power, be rich. It's like how can we push the boundary and how can we work together and collaborate together yes. to get there together yes. versus like, Oh, like, you know what I mean? Cause like we were saying earlier, like a bunch of comics go out and they just like sit in the back and they don't say shit and they don't talk to people. And it's like, like, dude, you're not supporting your own goals by like, like, you know, disallowing everybody else's, you know? Well, like, and even if you got to the top of the mountain, no, what are you going to do? Just hang out there alone? Yeah. Like you want to go with the crew. You want to go with people. You yeah. want to, the whole thing should be collaborative. And yeah. that's, that really is such a great metaphor that yeah. like in hell, you got this long spoon and you can't feed yourself with it, but you can yeah. feed somebody else with it. And yeah. that really is heaven when you have uh, two people come together and they share ideas or they, uh, collaborate creatively or whatever. Like they create something new. They exactly. create some gold. Exactly. From so, from that collaboration. So I'm all about just like using creative outlets to try and just like instill these positive messages to get people to think differently, to treat each other differently, to act differently, to like love themselves and other people and just like move forward together to really like build a world we all want to live in. Like us effectively is the goal, but it starts at, hey, like I'm just going to like tell jokes and like make people happy for like five minutes, you know? So I think ultimately just like pushing the boundary as like a creator as a game show host as a comedian just like thinking outside of the box and doing things differently and building people up together synonymously to create like this sort of online platform this feeling this vibe this energy where it's like hey you can hop in you can support and we'll support you and everyone will grow and we'll all get there together because that's where we all ultimately want to be and i think that's what we have to build here in austin is that community and that vibe where it's not people like gatekeeping and it's not nepotism and it's not like who's going to buy me a drink or do me a favor to get Mm. stage time it's who how can we surface the best ideas and how can we collaborate together to build something awesome yeah that like actually is culturally valuable exactly exactly and it's like even the smallest things can make a big difference right like if i go to an open mic and i probably only have like 410 followers i think something small but still something substantial where it's like if i post a snapshot of like somebody doing a set at a mic like all my followers are gonna see that like you're gonna get 
400 new followers. Yep. What if every comedian who probably has at least, you know, a couple hundred followers on Instagram did that for each did other? Did that for each yeah. other? You're yeah. going to grow your following so much faster than you would just trying to do it on your own. And it's, that's what I'm dude, I'm it's happy. It's good karma, it's good vibes. Yeah. It's like and I think you're well on your way to all this stuff. I mean, you're a young guy, so you have tons of time yeah. to figure it out and and express all these ideas, but I think it's uh I think it's really cool what you're doing and I love your energy and uh can't wait to see what you do definitely looking forward to collaborating in the future let's achieve our dreams together man let's That's do what, it dude let's do it dude thank you so much for having me all right thanks for me yeah thanks absolutely. everybody next Take time care.